1: Now, here's your host, Radical Russ Melville.
4: Big day, tokers and tokens and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Tuesday, December 20th, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Thanks for joining us here. We are just a few days away from the Christmas holiday and the Hanukkah holiday. That's right. This year, both Christmas and Hanukkah. Start on December 25th, so happy holidays to everybody out there. And uh, for those of you celebrating Festivus for the rest of us, uh, that's coming up. Let's see. That'll be on Friday, I guess. So uh, get your aluminum pole out. Remember, no decorations on the aluminum pole, just the aluminum pole. We'll begin with the uh, the uh, airing of the grievances, of course, and then we'll have our feats of strength. That's coming up on the Friday edition of the Russ Bellville Show, our special Festivus for the Rest of Us edition. Coming up on today's show, all sorts of news to dish here on Cannabis Radio. We'll begin with our Cannabis Radio news, and in the headlines today, some new polling data out of my home state of Oregon shows just how popular marijuana legalization is. We'll also tell you about some plans in Colorado to crack down a bit on their grow allowances. There, we've got uh, the main legalization is official. They've dropped. The recount. Thank God, because I already got my back tattooed <laughs> with Maine shaded in. I, I didn't want to see what it was like to have to uh, unshade that. But there's some more details we want to tell you about Maine. So that's coming up in the news as well. And our island territory of Guam is turning toward cannabis legalization. We'll tell you what's going on way out east. Or West, I guess it depends on which direction you go. <laughs> also, we've got some data on the sales of alcohol in the states that have legalized marijuana that is pretty interesting for us to get to. And a look at medical marijuana for hospice patients in Connecticut. That's coming up right after this first break in the Cannabis Radio News. Then we'll get around to our Behind the Headlines segment, which uh, I want to elaborate a bit on something I ranted on yesterday. And that is, is it still civil disobedience if it makes a profit, we're talking about Mark and Jody Emery and the cannabis culture case going up on there, uh, going on up there in Montreal, Canada, where the uh, two activists were arrested for opening up six more dispensaries. Then we'll take a look at our drug war data mines in the data mines today. Uh, there was a headline in The Washington Post about the increase in use of medical marijuana by mothers to treat their morning sickness, you know, when they're uh, puking and nauseous and they've been using marijuana. And the post says this is not a good thing. We'll take a look at some of the studies and the data regarding maternal marijuana use coming up in drug war data mining. Then at half past a very important segment, we have got one of the most knowledgeable human beings on the subject of cannabis on the planet on our show, Normal's Deputy Director, Paul Montana is joining us to tell us all about the scheduling of cannabidiol, or CBD oil. This has been in the news a lot lately because of the DEA issuing a new rule regarding the classification of marijuana extracts. And there's a lot of CBD oil companies out there trying to convince people that the DEA is overstepping its bounds, that CBD derived from hemp is perfectly legal... We'll get the dirt from Paul Armentano, the true facts on CBD oil uh, coming up at half past in our government at work segment. Also on the show today, we'll have time for a radical rant. I want to ask, why doesn't legalization get the credit for reducing youth drug and alcohol use to its lowest levels ever recorded? We got the newest data from the monitoring the future study. I've been digging deep into it this morning, and uh, I got some serious questions. Also, coming up in Hour 2, we'll take your calls at 650-LEGAL-MJ. We're going to talk about psychedelics for depression based on one of your calls. Also, optimistic takes on cannabis in Trumpistan and the fallout in the state of Maine over legalization. Stay tuned. The news is next.
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
5: Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing, so are we. Grow with us, CannabisRadio.com.
6: Do you want to get in on the booming cannabis industry? With New Frontier Data, we give industry insiders the power of big data analytics to help navigate this rapidly growing and changing landscape. New Frontier's tools help you make critical decisions based on the facts. Our industry analyst reports reveal the best opportunities. Our custom research engagements deliver answers to the most difficult questions. And our cutting-edge big data platform, Equio, puts real-time information and answers you need right at your fingertips. Go to www.equio.io and sign up for your free membership today. That's E-Q-U-I-O dot to sign up now. The power of real time big data is now in your hands. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild.
4: I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Washington, it has passed. Uh, the, uh, the news organizations are calling it. So they just did call for 64. <laughs> Tell everybody in the red states how great legal weed is. It's The Russ Belleville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com.
1: The Russ Belleville Show, providing dictionaries to drug czars since 2009.
4: New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Two years after Measure 91 passed in Oregon, two out of three Oregonians surveyed have a favorable view of the legalization of marijuana. Furthermore, one out of four Oregonians had used a marijuana product in the past month. DHM Research surveyed nearly 800 Oregonians on their opinions regarding marijuana and banking. Federal rules still make access to traditional business banking services next to impossible for cannabis-related firms. Nearly 9 in 10, or 87%, said that offering financial services to the legal marijuana industry would either not alter or improve their impressions of their financial institution. Only 12% of respondents indicated disapproval of their bank serving the marijuana industry, which was half as much as the disapproval for banks serving big-box stores like Walmart, a third of the disapproval for pharmaceutical companies, and a fourth of the disapproval for tobacco companies. Hoping to preserve its marijuana law under the next president, Colorado is planning a slate of legislation designed to crack down on pot that is grown legally but then sold on the black market. Colorado allows medical pot patients to grow up to 99 plants, far beyond other marijuana states. And it also allows recreational users to group their allotted six plants into massive co-ops, entire greenhouses of pot that aren't tracked or taxed. Proposals include a ban on group recreational pot grows and a new paperwork requirement for people who grow medical pot. The government's plans outlawed to, outlined to lawmakers in advance of the 2017 legislative session include a statewide 12-plant limit in private homes, which is still more generous than other marijuana states such as California with six plants and Oregon with four plants. The results of a Maine referendum on the legalization of marijuana in the state will likely head to the governor's desk this week. Maine voters narrowly approved legalization of recreational marijuana in November. A group campaigning against legalization dropped a request for a request recount on Saturday. A spokeswoman for the Maine Secretary of State's office says on Monday that the results will most likely be certified this week and then sent to Governor Paul LePage. He will have 10 days to issue a proclamation of the results. After that, the law would take effect in 30 days. LePage, a Republican, has questioned whether legalization of recreational marijuana can be implemented in the state. Maine already had legal medical marijuana. LePage's office didn't immediately respond to a request for comment on Monday. Guam Governor Eddie Calvo has proposed legalizing recreational marijuana on the island with heavy taxation. The Pacific Daily News reports that Calvo announced the plan Monday just a week after he vetoed a bill that would allow medical marijuana patients to grow their pot at home. Calvo had cited concerns about the cost of regulating residential grow operations. The governor turned his focus this week to recreational marijuana, which he says could generate tax revenue to fund public safety and education. He says he wants Guam to learn from other states that have legalized recreational amounts of marijuana. Legalizing marijuana may be affecting the sales of alcohol, boosting legalization advocates case that the two are substitute goods, but threatening more opposition to future legalization by the alcohol industry. The report from Cowan & Company shows that the beer business is underperforming in the long-time craft beer meccas of Colorado, Oregon, and Washington, where recreational cannabis use has been legalized. In those markets, craft beer is slowing, but the biggest drag is on mainstream beer producers. Those companies' economy beer volumes are down 2.4%, and premium domestic volumes, Bud Light, Coors Light, etc., are down 4.4%, writes Vivian Azer, Cowan & Company's managing director. Denver is under the most pressure, he said, noting total beer volumes in that market have fallen 6.4% year-to-date, and craft beer volumes have dipped 5%. The nation's first hospice plans to study how medical marijuana can help dying patients. Officials from Connecticut Hospice, Inc. in Brantford said Monday they hope to improve pain management while also reducing opioid use in palliative care. They also want to decrease nausea and vomiting while improving patients' appetites and overall well-being. Last week, St. Francis Hospital in Hartford announced it received state approval to begin studying the effectiveness of medical marijuana as a painkiller for traumatic injuries. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, December 20th, 2016. I'm Russ Belville.
5: We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. It's time for Cannabis Facts about teen drug use from Robert Platchorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. A recent survey by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control indicates that in states that have legalized medical marijuana, the rate of marijuana consumption among high school students has not increased. In fact, in legal states like Colorado, teen use has actually decreased significantly. It's simply no longer a big deal for teenagers in legal states. This was Cannabis Facts from the Silvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com.
1: The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, the National Wildlife Refuge for marijuana unicorns. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up
4: lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez,
1: your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com the world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus.
4: This weekend, Canada's best-known marijuana activists, Mark and Jody Emery, were arrested by police in Montreal for their role in opening six new outlets for their Cannabis Culture marijuana dispensary franchise. Recently, a federal task force in Canada recommended that sales of marijuana be made legal all adults 18 and older. They noted that while health officials cite 25 as the age at which brain development is complete, and therefore the marijuana minimum age should be older, keeping the age too high would maintain underground market sales and hamper the success of legalization. Yet Montreal's mayor, Denis Coderre, in reaction to protests over the arrest of the Emerys, maintained his stance that, quote, the law is the law, end quote and had not been changed yet. He expressed, quote, zero tolerance, end quote, for their actions, characterizing them as a threat to order and a self-serving public relations, quote, stunt, end quote. Canada's liberal government came to power in the most recent federal election, partially because of the party's open support for legalization of cannabis. Yet Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who repeatedly campaigned on the legalization issue, has joined the Montreal mayor's condemnation of the Emery's, saying, quote, "...until we've changed the law, the current laws exist and apply." End quote. These reactions from the elected officials are to be expected. What I didn't expect was some of the reaction from the cannabis community. Quote, "...most Canadians are sick and tired of them," claimed one of the messages in my inbox, and their predatory approach to celebrity activism, end quote. Celebrity activism. Hmm. I received other comments in that vein, accusing the Emerys of merely seeking attention to build their business brand and make money. One said, quote, Stop blindly defending the Emerys. They are the enemy of legalization, end quote. Now, look, everybody's got their haters. Trust me. I know this. But what amused me most about the comments was, In comparing how other activists who've done similar acts of civil disobedience in the medical marijuana world, how they were characterized at the time, because back in 2013, my home state of Oregon was busy passing a law to legalize medical marijuana dispensaries. This legislation and the legislature were spurred into action by activists who, like Mark and Jody Emery, Saw a need for legal cannabis access that was going unfilled and created a business to fill that need. Of course, back before the bill was passed, the law was the law and the current laws existed and still applied. So, Oregon's drug warriors mounted one last offensive just a week before the law was to pass. It was called Operation Storefront and they raided three dispensaries located in the north south and east of the state. But when my friends Sarah Bennett and Don Morse, Lee and Lori Duckworth, and Bill Espenson were arrested and jailed by authorities, you didn't find marijuana activists in Oregon demeaning their bus as a result of some sort of self-aggrandizement or self-enrichment. No, no, these were freedom fighters. That was the general consensus. They were bold, daring activists, putting their freedom on the line to bring safe access to life-saving medicine to poor, needy patients. And the police and prosecutors were the enemies of legalization, not the people flouting the law against marijuana sales. The dispensaries that were busted in Oregon served as the models that led to the 2013 law being passed in the first place. Oregon's legislature was in no hurry to legalize dispensaries until the activists, and yes, entrepreneurs, began civilly disobeying the law by opening storefronts. Similarly, Mark and Jody Emery are opening cannabis culture locations in an act of civil disobedience to push the Trudeau government to live up to its promise to legalize cannabis sooner rather than later. Just because the customers standing in line for legal access to cannabis and freezing temperatures aren't necessarily sick doesn't demean the patriotism of the civil disobedience. Montreal is choosing to bust the Emery's. It's not as if Montrealers are flooding Mayor Cordaire's office with demands to shut down the cannabis culture shops. And compare that again with my home state of Oregon. We passed our legalization measure in November of 2014, but our rights didn't kick in until July of 2015. So for seven months, the law was the law, and the current laws existed and applied, but most of our county's prosecuting attorneys deferred to the will of the voters and didn't bother charging people who were caught with small amounts of marijuana.
3: Oh, Piggy can run...
4: This is a choice by the Montreal government. They're emboldened by a prime minister who endorses mindlessly following a law that he himself promised to overturn. The Emery's should be lauded for their civil disobedience, whether it makes them a loony in profit or not. We're back with some drug war data mining on marijuana for morning sickness
7: right after this. Maui Wowie. Acapulco Gold, California Kush, our strains stretch everywhere, too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. (sighs) Cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the
2: ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase, and gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Tommy
3: Chong Show on Cannabis Radio. You know, about this podcast, what I really want to do from now on is to solve
2: world problems. I feel like my job is to calm everybody down and focus on how we can save this planet.
7: The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. world, world, world. Warning, hits taken
1: on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals, or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Bellville Show.
4: Today in the data mines, we take a look at the headline in today's Washington Post that states, quote, pregnant women are increasingly using marijuana for morning sickness. Study finds that's not good. And quote, <laughs> really, it's not look, uh, if you're paying any attention to my social media feeds, you know that I'm a cisgender male, so maybe I'm not completely up to date on the latest treatments for puking pregnant women so what exactly does the washington post say well according to the post report quote the findings present potentially serious medical concerns because of earlier studies indicating that infants who were exposed to marijuana were more likely to be anemic have lower birth weight and be placed in neonatal intensive care than infants of mothers who did not use marijuana According to the study published Monday in the Journal of the American Medical Association, nearly 4% of pregnant women between the ages of 18 and 44 reported in 2014 that they had used marijuana in the past month, compared with 2.4% in 2002. Quote, Some of the sources on the internet are touting marijuana as a solution for the nausea that commonly accompanies pregnancy, end quote, said Nora D. Volkoff. Director of the National Institute on Drug Abuse, writing in an editorial published online with the study. However, she said, quote, Doctors must be aware of the risks involved and err on the side of caution by not recommending the drug for pregnant patients. End quote. That's from the Washington Post. And this, uh, this morning sickness that we're referring to euphemistically is actually a medical condition known as hyperemesis. And it isn't just an inconvenient breakfast interruption. Uh, On the website FitPregnancy.com, they note that Britain's Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists say four out of five pregnant women experience morning sickness throughout pregnancy. And despite it being called morning sickness, it can strike all day, every day. Jonathan Schaefer is... M.D., is an associate professor at the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the Ohio State University College of Medicine. And he explained that the issue of whether or not to treat morning sickness with medication is complicated, saying, quote, Nausea and vomiting in pregnancy is extremely common and the ranges from occasional discomfort to miserable experience with weight loss, dehydration and inability to tolerate any food at all. While the low end of the spectrum may be amenable to non-prescription treatments such as bland foods and ginger, the more severe symptoms will usually require some help in the form of medication, end quote. Medication. Okay, so we want to make sure that the pregnant ladies don't smoke the pot, but what sorts of medications? Well, the most common prescription recommendation I could find in my research was a combination of vitamin B6 and the sleep aid Unisom. Hmm, Unisom, I wonder what the possible side effects are from Unisom. This according to WebMD, quote, Drowsiness, dizziness, headache, constipation, stomach upset, blurred vision, decreased coordination, or dry mouth, nose, or throat, mental or mood changes, such as hallucinations, irritability, nervousness, and confusion, ringing in the ears, trouble urinating, easy bruising or bleeding, fast or irregular heartbeat, seizure, rash, itching or swelling, especially of the face, tongue, or throat, severe dizziness dizziness, or trouble breathing. Yeah, Unisom, Give that a shot. Don't don't smoke the pot, though. Uh, how about the vitamin B6? Well, yeah, the vitamin B6 seems to be all right. Just don't take too much of it. This, again, from WebMD. B6 is possibly safe when taken by mouth in amounts greater than the recommended dietary allowance. In some people, it might cause nausea, vomiting, stomach pain, loss of appetite, headache, tingling, sleepiness, and other side effects. If pregnancy during pregnancy and breastfeeding, it's likely safe for pregnant women when taken under the supervision of their health care provider. It is sometimes used in pregnancy to control morning sickness. High doses are unsafe. High doses can cause newborns to have seizures. Okay, that's the most recommended. Unisom and B6. Now, NPR looked at this issue back in October. And while Dr. Volkoff and NIDA are convinced by the science that implicates cannabis as dangerous to use for morning sickness, Relying, of course, on this science for B6 and Unisom. Despite this, from NPR, quote, When researchers combed through the more than 13,000 studies that addressed morning sickness, they found that just 35 were robust enough to be relied upon. One study found that vitamin B6 could help with nausea, but that it didn't reduce vomiting any more than a placebo. Another study found that higher doses of B6 helped reduce symptoms of morning sickness better than lower doses. But again, you know, want they go too high, it could cause seizures in the newborn. <laughs> uh, continuing, some over-the-counter and prescription allergy medications seem to help with morning sickness, although they are considered safe. They do have side effects like drowsiness and headache, so they're recommended as a second-tier offense. A few studies directly compared the effectiveness of morning sickness treatments. Four compared ginger to vitamin B6 and found that ginger was just as good and in one case better at reducing nausea but of course that's just a plant it couldn't possibly help uh and by the way uh they have some other drugs there's uh prochlorperazine uh clopromazine uh thorazine uh trimethyl benzlamide ondansetron uh, uh dopamol, diphenhydramine benadryl uh metoclopramide reglan uh, and corticosteroids have all been recommended by doctors to help uh, pregnant moms deal with their with their uh, morning sickness. Now, look, uh, I'm uh, never going to be pregnant. <laughs> so, if I were, though, and my chances or my choices were to stop puking every day, were either these pharmaceuticals with some of these side effects that might work sometime later, or to take a couple puffs off the vaporizer pen and stop puking now. I think I'd probably defer to the vape pen. Besides, if there were any severe risks of birth defects from the moderate use of cannabis by pregnant women, don't you think we'd see a dramatic difference in the children of Rastafarians? Dr. Melanie Dreyer published science on this two decades ago and found no significant difference between the babies of ganja-smoking moms and their non-smoking counterparts.
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
7: How high do you like your profit margin? CannabisRadio.com.
6: Equio, New Frontier's cutting-edge big data platform, puts the information and answers you need right at your fingertips in real time. To help you more effectively run your cannabis business, go to www.equio.io to sign up for your free membership today. Again, that's www.equio.io. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild.
4: Normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life... Consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks are far less than those posed by legal
1: drugs. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
2: We need to build a wall.
1: Okay, maybe you're high too.
4: Reforming America's marijuana prohibition laws takes education, lobbying, and voting. From Washington, D.C. to your state capitol to your city hall, marijuana law reform involves all levels of civic life. Learn how you can make your impact with elected officials as we take a look at our government at work. All right, welcome back today in our government at work segment. We have got Paul Armentano on the line, the deputy director of the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Paul, welcome back to the show.
3: Good to be here, Russ.
4: Well, we've got you here for a very important topic, and I'm sure you've been talking to death about this since it came out, and that is uh, the Drug Enforcement Administration announced uh, a little while ago a new sort of uh, code to deal with marijuana extracts, and uh, it's got a lot of people in the industry and in marijuana reform up in arms with this uh, notion that somehow the DEA is overstepping its authority and making CBD illegal, As if it weren't already. So we got Paul here to clarify some stuff. First of all, Paul, give our listeners a a, a rundown on what this action was by the DEA. What exactly did they do?
3: Well first of all, this is not a new action. Uh, This was a rulemaking proposal that the DEA opened up for public comment five and a half years ago. And at that time, virtually nobody had anything to say about it. In fact, only five entities uh, posted six separate public comments in the Federal Register at that time with regard to this rulemaking proposal. And the reason, I presume, that most people were not particularly interested, much less outraged, about this proposed rule change was that it has very little, if any, actual effect on public policy. Uh, the DEA itself has since clarified that this is largely an administrative change and that is opinion I am largely uh, in agreement with and believe me it is very rare that the DEA and I agree about anything Uh, but at the end of the day this reads to me and it read like this at the time it was initially proposed uh, to be a recognition by DEA that more and more uh, licensed researchers want to work with marijuana extracts, that more states are passing laws to facilitate research using marijuana extracts, and this is an internal administrative change uh, to create a new code specific to these products uh, to track these products when DEA or Schedule I licensed researchers are permitted uh, to work with them.
4: You mentioned that this was uh, brought up for comment over five years ago. And of course, over five years ago was before the Dr. Sanjay Gupta special weed where we learned about CBD oil and Charlotte Figi and the little kids who have epilepsy who are helped by the CBD oil. Since that time, we've had a number of companies that have uh, come into play uh, Offering this CBD oil and mentioning that it's legal in all 50 states because it's derived from hemp. Can you get into this controversy and why these people think hemp uh, makes a difference and tell us why it doesn't?
3: Well, again, uh, there's a number of questions here. One is, what is the scheduling status of cannabidiol? Yes. And as I've pointed out on numerous occasions, uh, cannabidiol itself already has its own DEA tracking number. It's had it for some time. Time. And I am under the impression, as are most of the experts in this field, that cannabidiol and all of the organic constituents or active organic constituents in cannabis already fall under the Schedule One label, uh, the DEA itself is clear about this issue, uh, acknowledging that drugs or substances can be in Schedule 1 under the CSA, even if they are not individually identified in the CSA as Schedule 1 drugs. And that's the case if we're talking about a substance that is meant for human consumption, if that substance is structurally or pharmacologically similar to a drug that is listed in Schedule 1, and if this substance is not recognized by the FDA as a medicine, and clearly cannabidiol and other cannabinoids in marijuana fit that description. They are ingested by humans. They are not FDA-approved medicines, and most certainly they're structurally and pharmacologically similar to marijuana or to, to EHC. Hmm. The, uh,
4: the argument that I get in response from some of these uh, advocates is related to some decisions that had to do with uh, hemp uh, back in the early 2000s when the DEA wanted to try to ban hemp oils and hemp shampoos and hemp soaps right. and things like that. Right. How we does that? They're
3: talking about granola bars and products sold in Whole Foods and right. places like that so how does that not apply well again if someone can show me where in that decision the word cannabinoid cannabidiol or marijuana extract appears i would be persuaded uh or at least i would reconsider uh my opinion with regard to whether that food decision, a decision specifically about food products that were not containing psychotropic substances, uh, how that would apply to these products. But in my mind, these seem largely to be apples and oranges, and I have yet to see a single decision from a judge at any uh, level uh, that explicitly says that decision applies to these sort of products that are marketed in this way.
4: So uh, I was in Texas recently and got to meet a storefront owner who was uh, selling many of these CBD products uh, supposedly derived from hemp and more specifically derived from hemp stock, they say, is what makes it legal for some reason. But uh, so these people, these uh, folks, these businesses all the way down to the storefront owners, they're just uh, flouting schedule one law right now and haven't been busted yet.
3: Uh, that certainly seems to be the case. Again, I also have heard the argument that if one can say the product itself was derived from a part of the marijuana plant that is exempt under federal law, like the stalk from hemp or like the non-Germinating seeds from hemp, uh, that these products then may find a loophole in the federal law. Uh, that may indeed be the case but I am dubious that the sort of products we're talking about are actually derived from those sources. Uh, CBD is a cannabinoid, and as such, it is most prominently found in the flowering tops of the cannabis plant it is not particularly prolific if it's found at all in the hemp stock it's certainly not found in the seeds and i have a very hard time believing that any pure and potent cbd product would be derived from such a source
4: all right Uh, Paul 10 is the deputy director of normal and uh, paul let's get a look at uh what's going on with regard to cbd at the federal level, uh, because you know this this swept through the states in 2014 and 2015, the the powerful images of kids you know getting healed by CBD oil. What sort of federal legislation is on tap to try to address this? Try to bring some relief to these parents.
3: Well, this is part of the irony is that there are several different bills pending in the United States House, pending in the U.S. Senate, that if enacted would reclassify CBD, would deschedule CBD. Uh, Self-evidently, these federal legislative efforts would not be necessary if, in fact, CBD were already legal for human consumption. Obviously, these lawmakers don't believe that is the case. Obviously, their staff and their legislative directors don't believe this to be the case and obviously they would be the folks who would know. Uh, Furthermore, uh, I'm of the understanding that there are in the not so distant future uh, expected to be some fairly large scale uh, safety liability studies uh, looking at CBD and the end game or the hope is that the results of these studies will provide further scientific and political cover for ultimately rescheduling CBD at the federal level.
4: Okay, well, that would be good news for uh, patients in in many states that are relying on this, and uh, we encourage everyone to check out Normal's website where they'll have all of the uh, action alerts and the pages you need to subscribe to uh, to get more information on this. And uh, Paul, we appreciate you taking some time to join us here on the show because this is a very controversial uh, topic, and there's just so many people out there getting fed the notion that somehow this hemp CBD is legal, and I I worry for them. I worry for them getting busted and having to. Find out the hard way so thanks for what you're doing
3: Well, thank you, Russ, for having me. I hope I could clarify the issue for some. I'm sure I didn't clarify it for everybody. uh, But ultimately, at the end of the day, we're all on the same team here. We're all on the same page. And what we all want to see is an environment where these products definitively are legal, not just for patients, but for any adult who wishes to access them.
4: Absolutely. Glad to hear it. And uh, thank you so much for all you're doing. And uh, we'll be back in touch the next time we have a complex and complicated controversial subject that needs debunking we appreciate it
3: thank you russ all
4: right stay tuned folks we're going to come back we'll have time for a radical rant we're going to ask why doesn't legalization get the credit for reducing youth drug and alcohol use to its lowest recorded levels ever we're going to dig deep into the monitoring the future survey and its latest figures when we return
1: This is the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
7: Seed to sale, clicks to conversions, and more. You're listening to the Cannabis Radio Network.
6: Do you want to get in on the booming cannabis industry? With New Frontier Data, we give industry insiders the power of big data analytics to help navigate this rapidly growing and changing landscape. New Frontier's tools help you make critical decisions based on the facts. Our industry analyst reports reveal the best opportunities. Our custom research engagements deliver answers to the most difficult questions. And our cutting-edge big data platform, Equio, puts real-time information and answers you need right at your fingertips. Go to www.equio.io and sign up for your free membership today. That's EQUIO.io to sign up now. The power of real-time big data is now in your hands. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild.
0: This is the Russ
1: Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com
4: Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio Inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel
7: awesome! <laughs>
2: I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it. And didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical
6: Radical Rant. Rant.
2: Today in the
4: rant, I want to talk about one of my favorite uh, logical fallacies. It's called post hoc ergo propter hoc. That's Latin that is stands for because this then that. And, and what it means, it's the kind of fallacy that says, you know, something happened and then something else happened and therefore they're related, right? Like you'd say, you know, oh, we look at the stats and there's, uh, uh, there's more ice cream, uh, eaten in the summertime and there's more shark deaths in the summertime. Therefore eating ice cream causes shark deaths. No, it, they just happen to, both correlate to the fact that it's summertime, right? So this fallacy is used most famously in marijuana reform when it comes to our opponents calling marijuana a gateway drug. And it's this post hoc ergo propter hoc. It says, well, first people tried marijuana and then they moved on to heroin. Therefore, marijuana costs the heroin. And it is a logical fallacy. It's kind of if a great simple way to debunk it is to note that while almost every person that's ever used heroin started with marijuana. Most people that use marijuana do not move on to heroin. There's like 30 million marijuana smokers. There's like 300,000 heroin users, <laughs> right? So what kind of lousy gateway is that that only one out of a hundred people can get through? <laughs> okay. And the other way to look at it is this way is, is, is that they're looking backwards. You're looking through the wrong end of the binoculars here. Uh, yes. People that use heroin likely started with marijuana, just like people who are in the Hell's Angels likely started on a tricycle. It doesn't mean buying your kid a tricycle is going to turn him into sons of anarchy. Okay, (laughs) it doesn't work that way. It just so happens that the progression of drug use tends to follow certain uh, a certain order. And uh, it could be that, uh, you know, people that have more uh, or less aversion to risk tend to want to use these drugs and so forth. So uh, if you really want to look for the gateway, it's it's cigarettes and alcohol. But that's a whole nother rant. The reason I bring up this post hoc ergo propter hoc is because it's fascinating to me how quickly this is seized on by our opponents when there's something bad about marijuana. Right. When when marijuana happens and then, say, a kid jumps out of a, a balcony Uh, After eating an edible or a a guy shoots his wife or the latest one I debunked yesterday where the 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 teenager stabbed and, and hacked up his friend, decapitated his friend after they smoked some joints. Right. Obviously, these people have some severe issues going on. It's not the marijuana that's causing the problem. But boy, when it comes to our opponents, they'll jump right on that, won't they? Oh, this happened. Then that happened. Obviously, they're related. But when marijuana seems to cause something good to happen post hoc ergo propter hoc is nowhere to be found. And I bring this up in the context of the latest numbers from the monitoring the future survey. This comes out from the University of Michigan. They've been doing it since 1975. So we got over 40 years of data in this particular survey. And I've been collecting this data since I started working for normal back in 2008. So I have this Awesome spreadsheet, folks. Oh, boy, it's just a masterpiece of Microsoft Excel that I've been tracking the lifetime use, annual use, monthly use and daily use of drugs, marijuana, alcohol and cigarettes for eighth graders, 10th graders and 12th graders since 1975. They're sitting right in front of me, I got all the numbers right in front of me, and Excel also has this really cool feature, this this conditional formatting feature. You can tell it, "Hey, take all the numbers that are in the top ten and turn them green. And take all the numbers that are in the bottom ten and turn them red." So I've done this with this spreadsheet over the years to be able to track how marijuana has been marijuana use has been changing amongst the kids because you know we're we're all worried about the kids. What about the children? So. As I look at this uh, this table, I'm noting that the uh, lifetime use of any drug, any drug by eighth graders is the lowest level ever recorded. That's right. Here we are in 2016 with eight states legalizing, 28 with medical, all these messages. What about the message we're going to send to the kids? Oh, if we legalize, we'll, they'll think it's okay to do drugs. And yet, amongst 8th graders now, we have the fewest 8th graders trying any drug ever. It's also low for the 10th graders. It's not the lowest ever yet, but it's really low. When we look at, it's, it's, it's it, uh, the number is 33.7. One third of 10th graders have ever tried a drug in their life, and that's in the bottom 10 of all the years ever noted. It's a one-year change of a drop of 2.9%. And among the uh, 12th graders, the drug use is at 48.3%. At least almost half of high school seniors have tried at least one drug in their life. Now, that's not in the bottom 10, but it's still below the average for the past 40 years. In both five-year and one-year comparisons, there has been a decline in all drug use over the lifetime in all those categories. If we look at the drugs that aren't marijuana, let's take marijuana out of the equation. Eighth grade lifetime use in the bottom 10, 10th grade and 12th grade lowest ever recorded. If we take marijuana out of the question, the use of drugs by older teenagers is at its lowest ever recorded rates. 14% for 10th graders, 20% for 12th graders of any other drug other than pot. But what about the pot, right? Oh my God, if we legalize pot, more kids are going to use it. That's not happening either. Amongst the 8th graders, it's at 12.8% lifetime use, bottom 10, ever. 297 for the 10th graders, bottom 10, ever. 445 for the 12th graders, still below average and in fact all of these measures are experiencing five-year and one-year declines all of them how about the alcohol well in the case of alcohol lifetime use of alcohol is the lowest level ever recorded amongst all age groups 22 percent for eighth graders 43 percent for 10th graders 61 percent for seniors lowest levels ever recorded Levels of getting drunk ever in their life, lowest levels ever recorded, all age groups. Use of cigarettes, lifetime, lowest levels ever recorded. Okay, so these are the lifetime figures. This is the experimenters. This is the, well, I tried it and I didn't like it, or I just never tried it, people. What about the annual use? Did they use this year? Any drug? Uh bottom 10 for the 8th and 10th graders, below average for the 12th graders. Drugs that aren't marijuana, lowest levels ever recorded for annual use. For marijuana, bottom 10 for 8th and 10th graders, still below average for 12th graders. Annual use for 12th graders is 35.6%. That was a tiny increase of 2% from the previous year, which is statistically insignificant. Alcohol use, annual alcohol use, Lowest levels ever recorded, all grade levels. Being drunk annually, lowest levels ever recorded. How about monthly use? This is your regular use, right? Monthly use. Surely the marijuana use uh, is going to affect that, right? Well, for any drug use on a monthly basis, still bottom 10 for 8th and 10th graders, below average for 12th graders. There was a tiny Statistically insignificant increase for the 12th graders. Drugs that aren't marijuana. Lowest levels ever recorded for 10th graders. Bottom 10s for 8th and 12th graders. How about the use of marijuana? Bottom 10s for 8th and 10th graders. Still below average for 12th graders. Monthly use of marijuana amongst high school seniors in 2016 is 22.5%. That is a slightly a slight increase but still statistically insignificant alcohol use monthly did they get did they drink alcohol this month lowest levels ever recorded ever all age groups been drunk this month lowest levels ever recorded all age groups smoked cigarettes this month lowest levels ever recorded all age groups and folks as i look at this spreadsheet remember my spreadsheet does the, uh, the bottom 10, right? It colors the bottom 10 green. The entire decade of the 2010s is green for alcohol and cigarettes. Every year since 2010 has been a bottom 10 year for alcohol and cigarettes. In fact, looking back on this, since 2008, every year, 2008 to 2016 has been a bottom 10 year for the use of alcohol and cigarettes amongst all grade levels. When it comes to the drugs that aren't marijuana, since 2008, amongst all grades, almost every single one of them, almost every single one of them is a bottom 10 year for drugs that aren't marijuana. And finally, we go to the daily charts. Same kind of story on the daily charts. Use of marijuana daily among eighth and 10th graders, bottom tens. The use daily among seniors is unchanged, still about 6%. Daily alcohol use, lowest ever. Been drunk every day, lowest ever. Smoke cigarettes every day, lowest ever. So why don't we get post hoc ergo propter hoc on this? Why don't people go, look, gee whiz, since we legalized marijuana, kids are using far fewer drugs. Since we legalized marijuana, kids are drinking less. Since we legalized marijuana, kids aren't smoking cigarettes anymore. How come post hoc ergo propter hoc doesn't work for us? And this is despite the fact that when it comes to the perception of risk. They say, hey, if people try marijuana, is that really risky? Among high school seniors, that's a, a bottom 10 rating. Use occasionally, bottom 10 rating. And use regularly, bottom. Lowest rating ever recorded. So this is the issue that we've got when it comes to these, uh, these studies, this monitoring the future, is the fact that we are getting the lowest recorded rates despite the fact that kids more than ever don't see a problem with it. If the kids don't see a problem with it and yet they're using it less, doesn't that tell us something? Doesn't that tell us that we've got a situation where we are having people use these drugs, where you're having people make these decisions that in no way are reflecting what the reality is out there all right that's all the time we got here for uh this and i'm having some problems with the uh the connection so i'm going to keep talking while i get that booted back up uh hopefully we'll get the uh theme to play again while we're uh booting that back up this is what happens when we do it live on a laptop russ Bellville show from beautiful legal potland oregon appreciate everyone out there who's been listening and uh If you're still out there listening, it's still trying to set up the audio studio. There we are. It's not easy doing this live sometimes. Sorry about that, folks. Sorry for the disconnection. We're back for hour two. Stay tuned. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers.
1: This is the Russ Bellville Show. The Rust Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at radicalrust.com. You take a scene,
3: you plan it, you grow it, you giant, you're it, you scone again. You take a scene, you plan it, you grow it, you giant, you run it, you scone in. You take a scene, you plan it, you're growing, you're dying, you're rolling, you're you grow it, you try it, you're, growing, you're,
2: dying, you're rolling it, you scroll it, and it goes down so We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years.
1: And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer-mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical, Russ, Bellville. All right, all right, all right. Welcome,
4: everybody. We're back, and better than ever, in super 3D and Technicolor. <laughs> I don't know how we pulled that off on radio, but we did. Uh, I'm Radical Russ, coming to you live and direct from beautiful legal potland, Oregon. Yes, it's great to be here in potland, even though it's rainy and dark and gray and cold and yuck. We still have the best weed on the planet, so that makes up for it a little bit. We had a little uh, disconnection there during the radical rant. Sorry about that, folks. But if you uh, if you want to catch the end of that rant, it will be available on the podcast. But now there's a question as to how soon I can get the podcast up. Stupid laptop—that's its official name, by the way. Stupid laptop now isn't reading my SD card reader. <laughs> so Microsoft must have pushed out some some uh, update or something. It's. Already my uh, DVD drive wouldn't read, and now my uh, now my uh, card reader won't read. It's only a matter of time before I use U- USB ports and can't do a damn thing here. So uh, my apologies. I'll get the podcast up as soon as I can get the tech figured out. You know how it is. I do the best I can. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, my li- – <laughs> Tiaris in the uh, chat room says my laptop is all potted up on weed. I've been hanging out with Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. <laughs> That's probably the case. Ah, uh, yeah, we'll get that out as soon as possible. Also, um, I want to remind folks to check out my writing outlets on the web. You can catch my twice weekly High Times Radical Rant column on Tuesdays and Fridays at hightimes.com. Make sure to share them, send them along to your Facebook friends and such. And of course, you've got to be following weednews.co, uh, my latest, uh, news blog collaboration. Be writing daily at weednews.co. So if you heard today's uh, bit on the uh, pot and pregnancy and uh, morning sickness stuff, that's all up there on weednews.co. Featuring myself and the unbelievable Johnny Green, one of the greatest uh, cannabis bloggers out there, and many others who are contributing, including Anthony Johnson, the uh, chief petitioner for our successful Measure 91 here in Oregon. So get your latest weed news at weednews.co. Now, coming up here in this hour, it is Toker Talk Radio, and that means that uh, you can call in live. Our phone number here is 650-LEGAL-MJ. That's 650-534-2565, 650-LEGAL-MJ, and uh, we can chat about whatever you like. If you've got comments, questions, concerns, criticisms, we will cover it here on Toker Talk Radio. Now, maybe you don't want to talk live. Maybe you just want to get a word out or a shout-out or something like that. You can do that, too. Our number, 650-LEGAL-MJ, is live 24 hours a day. Well, I shouldn't say it's live 24. It's on. It's answered. There we go. It's answered 24 hours a day because it's a Google voice number, and you can leave a voicemail message, and if we like it, we will play it back on the show for you. In fact, we're going to get to one right after the first break here. That's going to introduce our segment on another drug, psychedelics. You know, magic mushrooms, LSD, that kind of stuff. Because uh, in Toka Talk Radio, we kind of let what's left of my hair down and loosen my imaginary tie. And we might talk about stuff other than weed, folks. So today we're going to talk a little bit about magic mushrooms and LSD and some other psychedelics and uh, their treatment for mental health conditions. Also coming up in this hour, we're going to talk about uh, some people's optimistic takes on the future of cannabis in Trumpistan. I'm not so optimistic, folks, but maybe I'm wrong. I would be glad to be wrong. And then uh, as we wind things up today, we'll take a look up at the... uh Pine Tree State up in Maine, and how the opponents of Question 1 there, who just gave up the recount, are now trying to dictate how the regulations are written. That's all coming up here in Toker Talk Radio on the Russ Belleville Show.
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
7: Every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network.
2: While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash. Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you and they earn rewards points. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Bellville Show. Keith Strop, the founder
4: of Normal, is here. The single most important victory will be California. We've
2: got Steve D'Angelo. Well, the state of cannabis affairs in California is in flux. The guru of ganja,
4: Ed Rosenthal. It's uh, better for people to be using concentrates. Weekdays live at six Eastern, three Pacific,
1: exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back, everybody.
4: It's Toker Talk Radio here on the Russ Belleville Show, hour two. Things are a little more relaxed. The topics are open. Our phone line is 650-LEGAL-MJ if you've got a topic to bring up or something that we should discuss glad to do it that's what we're here for and speaking of i want to go to our our number there our 650 legal mj number where we have a message stored for us while we were out on our vacation Uh, this one coming from the 260 area code
3: hey russ this is dan joiner out of fort wayne indiana I was just
2: wondering what you thought of the FDA approving the use of psychedelic mushrooms to treat depression in cancer patients, but they won't even try cannabis. Just
3: wondering how you thought about that. Thanks. Bye.
4: Well, thanks for the call Dan from fort Wayne and uh well it's it's typical hypocrisy, right It's the typical hypocrisy we expect from the government approving the use and I love how it's how limited it is right right well, okay, we'll let you try the mushrooms, but just for depression, we don't want to see what just depression and only if you've got cancer right like how is the depression in cancer patients differ from the depression in anyone else? How does cancer? affect depression i I don't get why we have to limit it to just the cancer patients but okay (laughs) that's nice let's see uh let's see what we can do there right uh i i'm for it though i'm for the use of psychedelic mushrooms for the treatment of depression absolutely i'm for any study of any substance right i'm i'm pro science man let's get some science on this sure Uh, mushrooms for depression, LSD for alcoholism, MDMA for uh, people with uh, post-traumatic stress. I mean, let's try it all. It's it's just remarkable to me what we accept as treatment in this country. Uh, A lot of these uh, SSRIs, a lot of these antidepressant drugs that come with a black box warning, toughest warning the FDA can give you on a drug. They'll come with this warning that says, may cause suicidal ideation. Really? We have drugs that may cause suicidal ideation being routinely prescribed to people with depression. <laughs> you know, that's like prescribing uh, you know uh, uh, uh cannabis to someone uh to try to uh make them more boring. That's <laughs> just just it's kind of contraindicated, don't you think? It it's just amazes me what we'll accept. We accept doctors routinely prescribing fentanyl. Fentanyl, folks, we're talking something that's 50 to 100 times more potent than morphine. Uh, we accept that. We figure that's okay. That's, uh, that's Schedule 2. It's dangerous. We know it's dangerous. We'll admit it's dangerous, but it's got a medical purpose, and as long as a doctor's watching over you, everything's okay. Go ahead and take the pe- fentanyl. Go ahead and take the pro- propofil. Drugs that killed Michael Jackson and Prince. Go ahead and take them because doctors say those are safe. FDA approved them. They're just fine. But we can't approve of taking a look at cancer patients using cannabis. we thats That's a bridge too far. That's too dangerous. That's too much of a risk for us. Come on now. Nobody buys it. Nobody buys it anymore. The support for medical marijuana in this country is about 89%. We just saw an election where we were able to pass medical marijuana in North Dakota with about two-thirds of the vote. <laughs> so come on, man. Of course we should be studying cannabis for depression, for anxiety, for all of these mental health conditions. That's a, that's another thing that's amazing to me. What we'll accept as treatment for me- mental health conditions that are devastating to physical health, right? Like, a lot of your antidepressants out there uh, are um, bad for the boner. Let's put it that way, <laughs> right? They have severe sexual side effects, not just for men, but also for women. It can cause severe lack of libido, right? So you're not bummed out anymore, but you're not anyone who's uh getting frisky anymore, either. Or how about some of these drugs that cause constipation, right? Uh, you're happy, but you're on the toilet all day, so... <laughs> at least you're happy about it, right? We'll accept that. We got no problem with that side effect. But this side effect of euphoria. Oh my goodness, it it might make someone feel good. Someone's got cancer and if they smoke pot to stop uh, to stop puking from the chemo, why they might giggle. They might <laughs> Why is the euphoria such the side effect that that is freaking us all out? not the constipation, not the suicidal ideation, but it's the uh the euphoria well, people are feeling good uh I don't get it well actually I do get it. I have a theory about it i think it I think it dates back to our Puritan founding you know this 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 uh dread fear that somebody somewhere might be having a good time. You got to make sure to eliminate that, right? And, and, and I've, I've, I've actually worked this theory out a bit. I, I think about how our society accepts, to a degree, uh, tobacco smoking and largely accepts and celebrates alcohol drinking. And, you know, we, we've gone over this a number of times when you talk about the culture. It's a cultural thing. We, you know, why, why won't Kevin Sabet fight to ban alcohol? Well, it's accepted by culture. It's just too late. It's just too many people love it. It's cultural right well well why is it cultural why did our culture of puritans accept that and not the other things and it goes back to my theory of puritanism this idea that somebody somewhere might be having fun this notion that if there's anything good there must you either to feel something good you either have to have worked hard for it and suffered and toiled and sweat before you got that something good or if you Got that something good without suffering, then you have to suffer afterwards, right? So it's it's that, it's that notion that, uh, in my mind, that part of why our culture accepts alcohol is because it extracts a price for its use. You have fun with the alcohol, but then you also get that hangover, right? You have too much fun from the alcohol, and you get direct punishment. You get the uh, selling a Buick to Ralph and Earl or having a technical or yawn or laughing at your shoes, you know, whatever euphemism you want to use for puking your guts out. There's a punishment. You can't have your pleasure without your pain when it comes to alcohol. And similarly, there's a a punishment for the cigarette as well, right? Lung cancer, death, uh, coughing, hacking, your clothes, smelling, having to to stand 25 feet away from an entrance not being able to use it anywhere you like being a social pariah so okay you can have your pleasure so long as it comes with a heaping helping of pain when it comes to the pharmaceutical drugs those while they have certain pleasures are Achieved by going through certain types of pain or certain problems like having to go see a doctor and have a sickness that is debilitating you in some way So here's that that suffering before the pleasure. So you're suffering. You got sickness. You got an illness. You got a debilitation You're suffering before you get your pleasure. Now you get your You know fentanyl your propofil your Vicodin, whatever it might be so as long as you've suffered before you can have the pleasure of the drug or if you suffer afterward from the drug, you can have it. But if you just get pleasure without an accompanying amount of pain, that drug has to be illegal. And that's where we're at with marijuana. That's why marijuana oftentimes is the most vilified one. That's why it's schedule one and coke and meth are scheduled II. coke and meth actually have some purpose, according to these people. The Coke can, you can go, if you're going through the pain of a dental or a nasal surgery, you can have the, co- the pleasure of the cocaine. If you're going through the pain of being a hyperactive kid, then we can give you the pharmaceutical meth, the Adderall, the Ritalin, right? There's the whole pain pleasure principle. But that's why marijuana is so vilified. That's why cannabis is so evil to these people, because not only does it give you a great deal of pleasure recreationally and medically it doesn't require the pain it doesn't give you the pain you don't have to have the pain beforehand to get the pleasure and you don't get any pain afterwards in the form of overdoses or hangovers or or significant problems that's why it's so culturally unacceptable in the puritan mindset you're getting you're you're cheating you're cheating god you're getting pleasure without having to pay for it that's their problem with it. And this mindset, this Puritan mindset is something that's going to be difficult to overcome. Maybe not in a generation or two is this going to uh, uh, get cleared up, but it's it's going to have to. And, and we're we're slowly doing it state by state, law by law. And notice how as we do so, they continue to try to put as much pain into it as they can. Well, we, well, it's got to be highly taxed. Well, Why? Well, because if it wasn't highly taxed. Uh, lots of people would use lots of it. And that's bad because why? <laughs> well, we got to add tax. We got to add some pain. We got to we got we to gotta put the stores as far away from people and make them as inconvenient as possible so that there's an actual uh, actual level of pain involved there. And, 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 and so on. That's my theory. I, I, don't know how to test it, but I, I think it's true <laughs> that we just don't like people, and that's why that's why we'll allow people to go skydiving. You can you can go skydiving in this country. You can be a charismatic snake handler in a South Carolina church and ho- handle poisonous snakes. You can be one of those free base jumpers. You can go to Twin Falls, Idaho, strap a rubber band onto your uh, uh, legs and jump off of an we active bridge. have your fridge.
7: smoking section right here. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. It all goes to show you that
6: it's
7: always something.
4: You know, Roseanne, Rosanna, Dana, you're absolutely right. It's always something. <laughs> Happy 420 to everyone here from the Pacific Time Zone, one of America's two legal time zones. Except for that panhandle of Idaho part. Sorry, Court we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to take a look at Todd Mitchum's optimistic take on cannabis business in Trumpistan. A couple of op-eds out there, more optimistic than I am.
0: Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at OrangeHillDevelopment.com.
5: It's time for Cannabis Facts About Alzheimer's from Robert The Silvertour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution, at hempinc.com. A new Florida study in the journal Molecular and Cellular Neuroscience found that cannabis promotes the growth of healthy new brain tissue. It can slow the effects of Alzheimer's and may, in fact, be able to halt it entirely. A long-term study by Ohio State University's Professor Gary Wink concludes that people who regularly use marijuana get Alzheimer's at a much lower rate than others. This was Cannabis Facts from the Silvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com.
1: You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
2: They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people.
1: Okay. Maybe you're high, too. When you are starting up a medical cannabis
4: business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer or email FiredUpLawyer at gmail.com.
1: Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. I just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody.
4: I hope you had a good safety meeting. I feel a whole lot safer myself. Just uh, going through some of my news feeds when I saw this uh, bit on the cannabis feed. It's interesting, too. I said, If you set up a Google News Feed, here's my recommendation, right? Set up a Google News Feed on the word marijuana. Set up another one on the word pot. And then set up a third one on the word cannabis. And it's interesting how they differ, right? The... Uh, The marijuana feed is, you know, US centric and is both the good stories and the bad stories. The pot feed tends to have more of the bad stories. A lot of the Fox News kind of stuff ends up there, Daily Mail and such. And then uh, the cannabis feed is more international because, of course, internationally they refer to it as cannabis more often. So I I pulled this up on the cannabis feed. Um, The headline, this is off of Nine News in Australia, talking about how a Sex party member of parliament shares her affiliation with cannabis. Okay. And it's uh, the show Weedekit, you know, uh, with uh, Krishna out there on uh, Vice. If you've ever seen the show, pretty good show. And he's he features him traveling the world and talking to people about cannabis. And so here he is talking with a member of parliament. Woman's name is Fiona Patton. And uh, she is fighting for marijuana legalization in the Australian parliament. And there she is in the big story here on nine news. Oh no, is how this member of parliament, my gosh, she's sitting here smoking pot, although it never actually shows her smoking pot, but here she is smoking pot with this American reporter. And Oh my God. Oh, scandal. Right. And meanwhile, I'm sitting here going, wait a minute. Let's go back to that part about sex party, because <laughs> really, anytime you say sex party, folks, I'm there. Let's go. <laughs> I'm in. What's the cover charge? <laughs> but no, it just caught me that uh, that there's a sex party in Australia <laughs> and they have a member of parliament. You third party dolts here in America. You aren't even trying hard enough, <laughs> man. We need a sex party in this country. Uh, yeah, There, you want to pull some third party votes. <laughs> let's let's run a sex party candidate. I, I love parliamentary systems. <laughs> you get all these great little uh, small parties and every now and then they get a member of parliament. It just makes things uh, that much more interesting. Yes, let's have a sex party. Um, <laughs> let's leave it at that. Let's go back to the topic I wanted to talk about in this segment before I got distracted by sex. And uh, that would be um, this, uh, this idea about the trump administration and um how uh it may react to marijuana legalization and there's a op-ed that's up on thehill.com, which is kind of the blog of congress up there and it's entitled why a trump administration is unlikely to kill legal marijuana and it's contributed by todd mitchum now, as background, Todd Bencham has been on the show a couple of times, uh, and uh, he was the CEO of OpenVape uh, when I went after them about their drug policy, but uh, they, to their credit, changed their their drug testing policy. Also, Canna Search, uh and Hi There, and uh, he's got an upcoming book and a bunch of other things that he's doing, and, and he's a good guy. I've talked to Todd in person at a couple of different cannabis events, good guy, and he's got this. Uh, op-ed up in the hill and it's been an interesting way this has shaken out since uh marijuana le- or since uh tr- trump has been elected because a lot of people in the cannabis industry are kind of taking this we think we can work with them kind of approach uh national cannabis industry association uh their director aaron smith uh released a statement that was we're we're you know Cautiously optimistic kind of thing. I, that's not his quote. I'm just kind of characterizing it here. But this idea that they don't want to ruffle feathers and, and maybe, you know, maybe th- everything will be okay because, you know, Donald Trump is for states' rights and he's a businessman and there's a lot of money and it's already eight states and it's really popular. It's 60% in the Gallup poll, yada, yada, yada. There's a lot of that happening. And I, I, I'm not just. Picking on Todd Mitchum here, uh, there's another, uh, the president of Grow Solutions Holdings, uh, Jeff Beverly on CNBC yesterday, had a op-ed up. It's called Why the Pot Industry Will Keep Growing Under Trump. And it's based on, both of their pieces are based on a number of points. Let me just see if we can run down these bit by bit. One of them, uh, Todd gives four points, and one of his points is states' rights he says it would be very time consuming process. Uh, There'd be state versus federal lawsuits. Uh, It would be a huge financial and time drain for the incoming administration to have to fight the marijuana advocates. It would be it would betray the concept of states rights that libertarians are so for. And um, any and, and as as Mitchum writes, quote, Don't forget, Trump is a business leader first, and as any smart CEO will tell you, you don't spend money fighting something you could make money embracing. It's simple economics, end quote. Yeah, but here's my problem with that. I don't – he used the term smart CEO. I don't know that Trump's a smart CEO. (laughs) I don't know that Trump's smart in any sense of the word. Um a look at the list of his business failures and the shady practices in business. He's had to employ just to stay a a billionaire businessman. Allegedly um, leads me to believe he's not the greatest businessman in the world. So to me, Trump isn't so much the business guy as he is the Trump guy. Trump is about Trump. Money just happens to make Trump, but Trump is about Trump. And if he sees a way to be more popular, To have a a greater legacy in going after marijuana, if it somehow makes Trump better, a better Trump, a more loved Trump, he'll do it. So I I don't know that I have the optimism that the state's rights thing is going to play so well. Because it never played well with conservatives in the past when it came to medical marijuana, when it came to, to, to marijuana legalization, conservative administrations in the past have been more than willing to go after it. States' rights, remember, for a lot of these conservatives, isn't an ideological principle unless it's convenient for them. When they want to restrict abortion or gay rights or, or voting rights or something like that, oh, then they're suddenly states' rights people. But if a state wants to change how it, say, runs its immigration policies enforces federal immigration laws or gun laws or, or uh, marijuana laws, well, that states' rights thing isn't such a big deal anymore for a lot of them. Uh, Todd also makes the point of the federal budget process that in order to go after the states that have legalized, you'd have to ramp up the budget for the DEA. That's going to take time. Big, long, drawn out process. But you don't have to spend a whole lot of money to go after. Yes, if you wanted to hire enough DEA agents to raid every single pot legal business in America. Yeah, that would take a massive budget. Doesn't take a massive budget to send some letters or raid just a couple of the biggest and best known places to send a chilling effect to everyone else that they could be next. It wouldn't take a lot of money to have to do that. The third point that uh, Todd Minchin makes is that the president, the president takes a positive position on marijuana. Then the attorney general and everybody in D- department of justice will have to fall in line. And that Trump is a business leader again. And, Trump uh, would love the economic impact of all this pot money coming in and and wouldn't uh, 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 want to rock the boat when it comes to the popularity of marijuana amongst the people. Really? You really want to bank on that? Because what I've seen is I've seen administration after administration, even Obama's rating medical marijuana, which is even more popular than recreational marijuana by a long shot. And so the popularity doesn't convince me much and the revenue doesn't convince me much just because while it is great to make money on marijuana in the federal budget scope of things, it's a tiny drop in the bucket. So it's not big enough to worry about the political capital involved. If it was, we'd have seen these politicians worried about the political capital of attacking medical marijuana and they never seem to be worried about it. And the number four point made by Todd is the cartels. Uh, Nobody wants to be seen as emboldening the cartels. Really? Because if you take the legal marijuana market, if you undercut it in America, and then you rebuild that demand for the illegal cartel weed, and that leads to more of the smuggling and more of the border problems, that provides the political firestorm necessary To help get a wall built. Remember the wall? There may be a situation here where Trump wants there to be more problems with drugs and trafficking coming across the border because that creates the problem needing to be solved by building a big effing wall. In the other piece, um... The point about political capital is made. This is the piece by Jeff Beverly on CNBC says, quote, for Trump to spend substantial political capital battling the legalization trend when such crucial states to Republican victory as Florida, Ohio and Pennsylvania, all passed measures approving cannabis use this year seems unlikely. End quote. Yeah, but Florida, Ohio and Pennsylvania, all medical marijuana. Ohio and Pennsylvania, the strictly super controlled medicinal cannabinoid types that, you know, don't have home grow, and Florida doesn't either. All of them, the strictly controlled types that have no home grow, where marijuana is a very strictly controlled thing you only get at the dispensary only for very certain conditions. That's not the legalization trend. You are comparing apples and oranges in that sense. The legalization trend is still something that's supported by 60% of the people, but Not 60% of the older people who vote, not 60% of the people who are the conservative partisans who make up the people who vote in Republican primaries. So we're still a long ways out before this is something that's endangering anybody's political capital to fight. It's not something that's big enough to help someone's political career by supporting, nor is it big enough to take down someone's political career by opposing. At least not on the national level yet. I can, you know, exception proves the rule. Ellen Rosenblum here in uh, Oregon won attorney general against a guy uh, in a Democratic primary again, Democratic primary in a blue state <laughs> for opposing his uh, medical marijuana. Her, her support of it helped her win. But generally speaking. I'm talking about you know people running for uh federal office, you know running for president and such. And all this talk about how much tax money it's made in Colorado and how much tax money it's made in Washington and that if we shut that down then the states would start bitching. Folks, I I think a lot of these people in the industry, and again, Todd Mitchum's in the industry, Jeff Beverly's in the industry, these guys are like top CEOs and president types who want to make sure that us consumer types out here, the people that would buy their products and the people who would invest in their stock, they want to make sure that we think everything's hunky- dory, everything's fine, everything's okay. Keep buying, keep investing. So there may be a little bit of a bias here in or or, or let's not say bias, let's say maybe even blinders to just how vitriolic and strong the opposition can be and just how powerful a moral panic and a culture crusade can be. I The lesson of the, the cannabis crusaders of the 70s thinking it would be legal by 1978 only to find Ronald Reagan in office then suffering through all the downturn of the just say no era. We are just one stoned a school bus driver wreck away from a public relations disaster that could have unfathomable impacts on legalization. Never think that the pendulum can't swing backwards, folks.
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
7: earn your PhD in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com Don't be late
3: Look for new episodes at CannabisRadio.com, TheRealDirt.com, or subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio.
7: The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts, For over a decade, industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com. The
1: Russ Belleville Show reminds you to never smoke and drive impaired. Hang out for a while and share.
4: New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com.
1: Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
4: Welcome back, everybody. It is almost 40 after the hour here in beautiful legal potland, Oregon. We're coming to you live from Delta 9 Studios. In the southeast part of the town. And uh, it's great to be back here at Delta 9. It's great to just have a studio. I was pretty much uh, mobile and homeless for most of 2016. Which has wreaked havoc on my taxes, folks, with my uh, home office deduction. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, uh, if you're feeling in the Christmas spirit... And you would like to send a Christmas gift my way in the form of filthy money. I would really appreciate it. Uh The uh, PayPal address is Russ at RadicalRuss.com. If you're feeling in the giving Christmas spirit, this would be a really good time for that here at the end of the year. <laughs> Russ at Which, Speaking of RadicalRuss.com, I know that page has been kind of on a static page for quite a while now. I keep meaning to uh, get the uh, website updated, but there's so much, so much to do. And I've been so busy with uh, travel and the show and the election and forming WeedNews.co that uh, I just haven't gotten around to it. But it's going to happen, I promise, and there's going to be a great new RadicalRust.com page. And on that RadicalRust.com page, I was uh, reading some of the chat room earlier, and I believe it was Tim in the chat room who was saying i really miss being able to see russ do the show and someone else i think it was kathy said yeah i really miss seeing his smiling face <laughs> thanks i always thought i had kind of a face for radio but uh, i appreciate the uh sentiment and if you go out to my uh, youtube page at youtube.com radical russ you'll see that i used to do the show with a video feed and it's not like you know a TV show or anything, folks. It's just a webcam pointing at me, talking in a microphone. And I don't know why that made a big difference to a lot of people, (laughs) but apparently it did. And I think part of it was just the distribution platform. YouTube is kind of ubiquitous and uh, easy to access for a lot of people. So in 2017, one of my resolutions is that we will get the video feedback on this daily show. And I'll, I'll have it go live, probably through... YouTube Live and Facebook Live. I'm going to try to do both at the same time. Um, And I don't know. It's going to take me another laptop. I'm going to have to get... That's really what's holding me up on any of these things is getting more. I can barely keep this laptop running audio for the two-hour show, man. I need more computers. And that goes back... Did I mention that I could use some money? (laughs) Russ at RadicalRuss.com on PayPal if you want to donate. And, And really... Uh, you don't m- donate me the kind of money that would buy a couple more laptops, and you'd be amazed at what I could make this show do. But uh, for now, uh, we'll we'll just accept with a humble Christmas uh, thanks anything that we receive. We appreciate it. And um, we're also looking for new sponsors and advertisers on the show. You hear the ads day after day. You want to hear some new ads, some new sponsors? Help me out, man. Let's get some new ones. Uh, I've got a few uh, out there cooking, including... Well, that's not a new sponsor, but a new ad. We'll get a new ad out from the International Cannabis Business Conference, which has uh, announced the San Francisco event that's taking place uh, the 16th and 17th of February. think that's it. Just checking. Yeah, 16th and 17th of February, the International Cannabis Business Conference in San Francisco. And we'll have the conference organizer, Alex Rogers, joining us on tomorrow's show to uh, preview that a little bit. So you'll be hearing an ad from them. All right, let me get back to uh, some news stories here because it's good news for me that the recount in Maine has been dropped. Scott M. Gagnon is the, uh, or is it Gagnon? I'm not sure how it's pronounced. But uh, Scott is uh, the Maine Project Sam director. Project Sam out in the state of Maine. And we've gone back and forth on uh, Twitter quite a bit. He's at Scott M. Gagnon, if you want to follow him. Or Gagnon, I'm not sure. Anyway, um, he's one of these Project Sam guys. He had actually uh, predicted to me that uh, Maine would uh, defeat legalization. I win. Ha ha. Maine actually did pass it. And uh, it passed it by a small margin, though. It was just like 4,000 votes. So the no on question one people, Scott Gagnon and his coterie of uh, prohibitionists, Wanted a recount, and sued for a recount. And this is, you know, everybody pointed out this is going to cost a lot of money, a lot of taxpayer dollars to do a recount. But they went ahead and they recounted and they recounted. And up till now, up till uh, the point they uh, stopped recounting, uh, they had changed by like some 40 votes. It's just a, like a few votes that were, you know, recounted. The, the difference was about 40. Uh, so it was statistically not going to make a difference. Right. There was there was going to be no difference. Marijuana is going to be legal. So Scott and the no on question one people dropped their recount. So that's that's the good news uh, part of the story that we get that from. Uh, yeah. So we don't have to spend some of this uh, taxpayer money. But now they want to have the seat at the table in uh, shaping the regulations and even in some cases changing the law to try to hamper and cripple the newborn legalization that has passed in the state of Maine. Keep in mind that Maine's legalization provides people to carry two and a half ounces on their person. Not just the one ounce that we get in uh, most of the free states, all of the free states, uh, except Washington DC has two ounces, but uh, yeah, two and a half ounces in the state of Maine and six mature plants, 12 immature plants and unlimited seedlings to be cultivated uh, for personal use. So it's got the best, possession and cultivation limits of any of the legal states i'm just happy that i didn't have to have my tattoo changed <laughs> i already got mane shaded in in fact uh, uh my friend uh, sean uh, mcallister from dfw normal he said you sure you would get that uh shaded in you know they're doing a recount i'm like fuck it go for it <laughs> recount be damned they'll pass it eventually <laughs> so uh so good news there now i got my uh got my main shaded in but uh Anyway, this there's a piece up in the uh, Portland Press-Herald. Marijuana legalization opponents urge lawmakers to take lead in crafting rules. Members of the No-On-One coalition said legalizing recreational use involves many complicated issues, necessitating a broad and thoughtful approach to the rulemaking process. Yes, because nobody's ever done it before. Gosh, if only we had four different state templates to look at. If only we could visit with regulators and lawmakers in i don't know colorado oregon washington and alaska who've been dealing with this for two or four years already gosh that would make it easier wouldn't it i love it how every state that legalizes the opponents act as if this is the first time legalization has ever happened anywhere well oh my god panic we won't know what to do so this um this uh, some of the things that they're asking about. First of all, Scott has a, uh, a quote in the in the piece. He says, it is far from a mandate it is clear that there is a deep and broad concern among many Mainers when it comes to the prospect of marijuana legalization. That concern must be heard and must be incorporated into the upcoming legislative process to implement the law. We must not let the pro-marijuana proclivities of Portland dictate the health and safety of Presque Isle. End quote. So this is the old rural versus... Uh, urban divide this is the old city mouse country mouse debate when it comes to marijuana legalization we heard this in Oregon too just because Portland and Eugene like to smoke the devil's lettuce doesn't mean that we ought to have to put up with it out here in bumfuck Oregon it's the same kind of argument here I love it when these state initiatives pass statewide initiatives but somehow the fact that most of the people in the state live close together in one particular geographic region means that their uh, their votes somehow aren't important. <laughs> We're seeing the same thing at the national level. You're seeing this from the uh, Trumpistan people, the, the the Trumpsters, the Trumpkins. What do we call it? What's the demonym for Trump people? I'm going to go with Trumpkins. We're hearing this from the Trumpkins where, uh, well. They keep saying that Hillary Clinton won a 2.8 million vote lead in the, in the popular vote. But that's only if you count California. If you take California out, Trump actually won by 1.4 million votes. Right. And if we take out the last two decades, I'm a handsome, virile 28 year old man with hair halfway down my back. <laughs> right. Sure. Just disregard California because they all live close to each other and like weed. Disregard, I mean, Hillary, whatever. <laughs> Sorry, mixed my metaphors. Uh, analogies, similes, whatever. But um, yeah, just disregard California's votes for Hillary Clinton because gosh, they're californian and they don't count. Yeah, just disregard the people of Portland, Maine who supported question one because uh, they all live close to each other in Portland. And yet, this kind of thinking actually works on some people like this worked in Oregon. This this worked when our our Oregon senator, Ted Ferrioli, was able to get a special exemption from the state law written by the lawmakers. They wrote an, a special exemption to the just passed state law that just passed by 56 percent. Not a not a, you know, 4000 vote lead, you know, bare half percent gap like. Maine, But we're talking a 6% at the time, the greatest win for statewide legalization, even with that mandate that we had, that mandate was no good because, by gosh, most of that mandate came from, you know, the hippie enclaves of Portland and Eugene. This state senator argued that out in his counties, out in his rural neck of the woods, they rejected the statewide initiative, so they shouldn't have to be bound by this particular codicil of it that required a vote to ban businesses. And the legislature went with that and the people generally accepted that. Yeah, that sounds fair. Sure, sure. The whole state voted that the law should be one way, but a few people out there in bumfuck didn't like it, so they should get an exception. Well, that's a statewide initiative if the whole state doesn't have to obey it. And I would say the same thing to Scott Gagnon and the folks out there, the no on one. Sure, people in the country might have a problem with that newfangled legalization out there. So, so scary! Oh, the the potheads! Oh, gosh! But that doesn't make their concerns any greater than the the people who like the marijuana legalization in Portland because they live in a city and maybe they read a book or you know logged onto the internet and learned something at some point. All the votes matter equally. It doesn't matter where you live or how close you are to other people. And then, of course, you know, the cherry on the top of this Puritan cake is uh, the governor there, Paul LePage, which, you know, even you just go outside to the marijuana issue to get all the dirt you need on this guy. Racist pig is what this guy is. But um, anyway, the uh, governor there and uh, uh, says that he's going to seek legal advice. Before he signs that proclamation, he's got 10 days to certify that Maine has actually voted to legalize marijuana. He wants to seek legal advice because he says, I have to get some legal advice relative to am I breaking my oath of office by signing this? Because I took an oath of office not only to the Maine Constitution, but to the Constitution and laws of the country. And I'm concerned that this is going to violate my oath of office, which, in fact, is an impeachable offense. End quote. Yeah, Paula Page is playing the, oh my gosh, it's illegal under federal law and somebody might impeach me over it. Card. Uh Uh-huh. What do you say about these people, man? Smoke a joint. Relax a little, will you?
1: This is The Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
7: Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry, one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network.
5: Mindful of sustainable practices and limiting their environmental footprint. Sansal hemp is always grown outdoors, as nature intended. By starting with uniform genetic profiles, Sansal ensures the plant will maintain its optimal performance and yield consistently throughout its life cycle. It is through innovative processes that Sansal is able to achieve pure whole hemp extracts and meet industry requirements and the level of quality desired by many of their customers. Healthy plants, healthy people. SansalCBD.com Improve your lifestyle naturally.
1: Normal stands for Responsible Adult Cannabis Use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. Marijuana is not addictive, but listening to The Russ Belleville Show is... Yeah. <laughs> You're tuned into the Rust Bellville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com.
4: All right, as we wind things up, a reminder on tomorrow's show: our guest will be Alex Rogers from the International Cannabis Business Conference in San Francisco. We'll also preview a little bit about the ICBC that'll be happening in Berlin, Germany, in April. So make sure you tune in to tomorrow's show. I was just checking out the chat room. Glad to see so many people out there, Kathy and Dan and John and uh, many more. And uh, part of the discussion that was going on out there was about uh, Ohio, which has decided that there should be 40 medical marijuana dispensaries. A total of 40 for the whole state of Ohio. And, you know, we get this from a bunch of states, right? Like Washington State has a, a limit on how many... uh Recreational pot shops there should be statewide and Arizona has got a limit. Uh, It's something like one pot shop for every 10 liquor stores or was it one dispensary for every 10 pharmacies? I can't remember which, but there's a lot of states that have this mechanism for mandating. In fact, I think it's most of them have a mechanism for mandating exactly how many retail outlets there should be for the distribution of marijuana. And I ask myself why? (laughs) why mandate how many licensees there should be it makes no sense to me right like how many McDonald's should there be now obviously there's zoning you can't we can't put the McDonald's you know right in the residential neighborhood or but does anybody limit how many There should be some, maybe some cities. I know like some cities don't even let them, you know, Berkeley, California or whatever, won't even let them in their city. Sure. There's that kind of stuff, but I'm just saying in a general kind of statewide sense, does anybody ever say there should only be one McDonald's for every six churches or one Arby's for every 10 hospitals or whatever, right? Nobody ever does that for fast food or any number of possible Consumables, right? Why not? Supposedly, the idea behind Lee's limiting the number of uh, outlets for marijuana is, you know, public health, right? We're worried about the public health. Well, aren't we worried about the public health with fast food? Obesity is a huge epidemic in this country. But no, nobody ever says there ought to be only this many McDonald's or only this many Burger Kings or only this many, you know, Taco Bell's or whatever. Because what happens is that people dictate how many there should be by purchasing those products. And if they have too many outlets, they dilute their customer pool and they can't support their outlet and they have to close that outlet. So there's kind of a natural stay on how many Taco Bells they're going to be. If you open six Taco Bells in the same small town, Maybe one of them survives, but probably none of them survive because they're diluting their customer base. Similarly, if we opened up too many marijuana outlets, many of them would fail, wouldn't they? And then we'd come up with what the number needs to be through this thing called the market. Imagine that. And given that marijuana is safer than hamburgers, Why wouldn't we do it that way? Because marijuana is a completely different product than anything that has ever been produced and consumed and sold and regulated by mankind. We have to come up with completely different rules for it and treat it worse than plutonium because the children. There you go. That's all the time we got for today, but join us tomorrow for more news and interviews you can use for the cannabis community. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com and Delta 9 Studios, I'm Radical Russ, and until next time, take care of each other, Tokers!
1: This is the Russ Bellville Show. The Russ Bellville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com.
3: <muchvély> you take a seat, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke in. You take a seat, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke in. You take a seat, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it and It goes down to